0: For those who don't know, I struggled a fair chunk of my life with some severe mental health challenges. Be passionate, be passionate, and don't fall into society's labels. If you want to do things, go out and do this one down. The two most important days of your life, the day you're born, and then the day you find out why you're born.
1: Hi, I'm Steve Duke, and this is the Two Roads Podcast. On this podcast, I have conversations with people who've had fascinating life journeys, all with the goal to help you find a job and a life that you love. And today on the show, I had Joe Williams. Joe is a proud, we're a jury, First Nations Aboriginal man, and he's a leading mental health advocate. He's the founder of a mental health education and suicide prevention business called The Enemy Within. He's an author, and he's also an adjunct associate professor at the University of Queensland School of Psychology. If all that isn't enough... Joe was also a professional rugby league player in the NRL in Australia and a champion boxer. As he says himself, he's lived enough for three lives, and that's certainly true. A lot of us are trying to find a life or a job that gives us a sense of meaning, a sense of purpose. But it's hard to know where to start to find that. And to be honest, it's also hard to find role models of people living a life like that. People who have found their purpose and are really passionate about what they do. Joe Williams is one of these people. On this episode, you can expect to learn how to make sure you're chasing the right thing in your career and in your life, and not just trying to fill a void in yourself. Two simple tips for finding purpose in your own life. The journey Joe went on from attempting suicide in 2012 to running an organization that is making a massive impact in youth mental health. The role of trauma in our lives and how it drives our behavior as adults. And what we can do now to help kids and the next generation to have better mental health as adults. Joe is an incredible storyteller, and I truly loved talking to him. Some of the episodes on this podcast focus on very practical side of finding a job and a life that you love. But this chat with Joe was more focused on, I would say the spiritual side, how to understand yourself, your history, and use that to guide your own path. It was actually, I would say, quite an emotional conversation and job has planted many seeds of thought in my head that i now want to go and explore and i think it will do the same for you as always you can follow me on socials to get more content around building a life that you love on linkedin you can get me on my personal account steve duke and on instagram you can follow me on at two roads pod that's t-w-o roads pod so i hope you enjoyed this conversation with joe Williams. Let's get into it. Joe, thanks for coming on the show, mate. I don't know if I can say it's a
0: pleasure to be here because we haven't started talking. We don't know what we're going to talk about. (laughs) It's always good to connect, though, man. It's always good to connect. (laughs)
1: <laughs> that's a good point. Okay. Well, let's wait till the end. And at the end, at the end, you can tell me whether it was a pleasure or not. Okay. That's the deal. Um, this is the first question I always ask people, cause I'm always interested in it is when you were a kid growing up, was there something that you really wanted to be when you were uh, an adult? Yeah. Firstly, um, you know, being the time of the morning and, and, and standard of, of
0: what I do every single day. I, I thank the old people, thank the ancestors for, for blessing me with the path that I'm on. Um, I'm a I'm a First Nation man, Radri-Wogaloo man, and, and being out here in Australia, you, you'll understand and and know that the you know the the history of of colonisation in this country has been been fairly harsh, and and the ongoing impacts of that has been fairly harsh, um, particularly to First Nation, Aboriginal, and Torres Strait Islander people. Um, so the work that I do now is predominantly around helping people. With the impacts of trauma, and a hell of a lot of the impacts through that, particularly within our community, are the ongoing impacts of colonisation. So, I show my respect to them, old people, every day um, because without them, I wouldn't be here. Without the ancestors of, of my lineage that stood up and said, "You know, I'm, I'm refusing to, I'm refusing to, 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 you know, to tap out," then I wouldn't be here. So, um, I show my respect to the Wiradjuri and Walgalu people, my old people. Um, whose whose who's country that, that I was birthed on and lived on and continue to live on now um, in Merredgeev Country. So, mate, um, I was, I guess, as a as a young fella, I I was like any other kid, you know, with with, with dreams dreams to to be something or or to be someone. Um, and, and and some people don't have those dreams of, of wanting to be something of profile. Um, I didn't see it as something of profile then. Um, I just want to be a sports person. I want to be a rugby league player, uh, footy player, and I'd do everything I possibly could as a young fella to be that. You know, the lessons that I learnt throughout those times probably still stick with me today, but even more so as a young adult and a young teenager, um, challenges and experiences that I I went through, um, the beauty of hindsight and learning as you grow older, you know. Um, So everything... Everything that that I've been through experienced um, and it's all out there on the internet, if if anyone sort of doesn't know what I'm alluding to, but um, we could even get there, but um, everything that I've experienced has made me exactly who I am today and I'm thankful for that.
1: Yeah. And you've done a ton, right? I've been reading up about you kind of over the last couple of weeks or so. Um, And it seems like you've lived multiple lives in one already i've
0: lived enough for three people (laughs) yeah it's i'm i'm really i'm really lucky with that you know i i always say i I laugh because it's like i've lived enough for three people um and i haven't stopped i haven't like i haven't finished like what i'm what i'm what i'm up to next and what i'm what i'm the plans of what i'm doing next and little side projects and things like that. I'm I'm someone who's always going, who always, who's always doing different things because I'm just a creator that that um, you know likes to see and do different things.
1: You do a lot now. How do you describe what it is that you do? How do you try and like encapsulate all those different bits that you are doing?
0: Yes, yeah, for I guess it's from it's the combination of, of of years of of living what and how I was living, but then also learning about it and, 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 understanding it. So, um, for those who don't know, I struggled, I struggled a, a fair amount, a fair chunk of my life with some fairly severe mental health ch- challenges, um, which led me down, you know, a, not the, the best path. Um, and then, um, you know, got to the point, you know, with different circumstances. And as I said, it's, it's all out there on the internet to read about. And, um, not a by any chance is this a sales pitch, but in my autobiography, it's it's there as well. Um, but you know, I I got to some fairly dark places, which which you know it could have could have went one or two ways. It could have you know ended me up in you know not being here and speaking about it today. It also ended me up in a place of of uh, I guess challenging inner dialogue that that. But, but but i'm someone who likes to question things so i've always questioned why why things are the way they are um which led me down a path of learning led me down a path of understanding what it is and why it is that people are the way they are so i guess to encapsulate what i do now my job is to is to go around and travel around to communities and and schools and, and to corporates and and help people understand why they are the way they are why why they are the way they are um I'm, I'm someone who, who, who is just so intrigued by human behavior. Um, when you understand it, everything, everything makes sense of why people are the way they are, what the way they react, the way they respond, the way they hurt, the way they, they are triggered. You know all these different things. So I, I, I help people to understand that stuff. You know, like the the different challenges we have with our relationships isn't particularly because of the person that we're in the relationship with it's because of the experiences that we had in the earlier years of our life that have shaped who we are that are constantly triggering us every single day so um, you know and that all comes back to the relationship that we have with our with our main caregivers and and how that wires us and molds us for our for the, for our entire life how it programs us subconsciously for the, for our entire lives that's something i do in a in a sentence
1: and so and so what does that look like uh, like practically are you kind of doing workshops is it more one-to-one type of work or you know if you, i was to zoom into your day yesterday or you know one of the days that you're kind of out doing these things the community what, what would i actually see
0: yeah so it depends on what day you get me but but um you know like at the moment i'm also you know, we're talking about side projects and things like that um, at the moment, and I, I can speak about it now because I, I sort of we 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 launched a bit of a campaign to sort of a, a bit of a soft launch to what we're doing um, the last couple of couple of weeks um, through through a bit of a fundraiser. But um, what I'm actually doing now is that all that you know the 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 decade of work that I've done. Throughout the country and throughout the world, of understanding different behaviours and where they come from and why they come from there, why they come from that place, and so forth. Um, I'm launching an academy um, which which centres around you know behaviours as such, and you know we can go to the pointy end straight away and go the bad behaviours, but but we're looking at the empowerment of people that 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 aren't challenged with bad behaviours as well, or, ch- or challenged with negative behaviours. Um, so, we, so so our academy is about understanding the traumatic impact of young people, um, the way that we live, the experiences that we have, and then helping to reshape those behaviours. But you can't reshape behaviours if you don't understand where they come from. Um, so it's about helping people to understand what those behaviours are. So this academy is about, is going to be a uh, primary school academy from, from K-6 to six. So from the ages of 5 to 12, of, of working with young people around who they are as their identity of people, um, their behaviors, and as I said, the challenging behaviors, but, but also some empowerment stuff. All around identity of who they are, the behaviors they have, and, and how, we, how we look to, to improve those you know, through cultural practice and through you know, different values um, that we all live with.
1: That seems incredible, first of all. And I think like the work that you're doing is like fucking cool.
0: I haven't seen it in this country yet. I haven't seen I haven't seen what we're doing, the model we've we've got, and we've been building this for about five years. Um I haven't seen I haven't seen the model that we've got anywhere in Australia. And I could be wrong.
1: I could be wrong. Okay, hold up one second. I'm sorry to have to interrupt this episode, but I do want to remind you that if you want more content on how to find a job and a life that you love, you can find it on our socials. So on Instagram, go to two roads pod and on LinkedIn, just find my personal account called Steve Duke. And of course, these podcasts are released weekly where I interview people and that's extremely helpful for people to get inspiration and hear other people's stories and what how they did it and what they're going through. But I also release a ton of other content as well to help you both figure out what it is that you want to do and also how to then make that actually happen. So LinkedIn and Instagram at LinkedIn, Steve Duke, just my name. And then on Instagram, you can find us at Two Roads Pod when you talk about kind of helping people understand who they are and understanding behavior and how people act and all this sort of stuff, like that sounds like a massive and very hard topic to grasp. Like where did you learn all of the stuff that you share with people today? Is it life experience? Did you actually kind of formally educate yourself in any ways or like, how did you kind of get everything into your head that you have today?
0: It's part of the story, right? You know, like I was working, I was working in the mental health Suicide prevention space for for a long time, and then and then in, in 2016, I was I was keynote of the World Indigenous Suicide Prevention Conference over in Aotearoa in New Zealand, Rotorua, New Zealand, and um, and the buzz around the room there was just different. You know, over here in 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 Australia, it was like mental health, mental health, medication, um, psychologists. You know, all the Western models of of medicine. Of what it looks like but but all these indigenous peoples around the world right and let's look at wherever they were from the, the 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 first peoples of their continent that have been also dispossessed by the challenges of colonization as well so the buzz around the room there was very different it was like we come away from that going it's not mental health that's killing people it's not mental health within the native communities, the indigenous communities, the first nation communities that are actually killing us. And, and we looked at all of the different behaviors around the world are all the same behaviors. Challenges with alcohol, challenges with drugs, challenges with violence, challenges with, with different things, right? So we looked at all of it and we went, we aren't aren't dying by suicide because of mental health. We're dying because of the impacts of colonization and the trauma that we've all collectively taken on over many hundreds of years. And are repeating those cycles within our communities, right? And then, at around about the same time, I was actually doing doing a lot of work over in the US, and I was sitting out around a fire with a special old fella um, named Paul Gordon in Western New South Wales, and and he said, you know, "I love the work that you're doing, brother, overseas." He said, "But I want to ask you, I want to ask you a question: Who's got the highest suicide rates in the world?" I said, "Oh, we do, as in as in First Nation people here." And he said, "Well, what are you doing over there?" He said, "I get it, and 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 you know, you're helping all all pockets of the community, but you get a responsibility to your people here, brother." And I was like, it, "It hit me straight between the eyes." And then the other conversation that he said to me, and he and he said, "I want to challenge what all those doctors are telling you, because I had psych ward after the psych ward stay, and 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 medicated for for you know numerous years, and over medicated, under medicated, all those sort of things, and, and on the journey of learning about who I am." Um, and the challenges that are brought. And he said, I want to challenge what all those doctors tell you. I don't believe you're mentally ill because I don't believe it's your mind that's sick. I believe it's your spirit that's sick. And the only way you can heal your spirit is being out on country and listening and learning the old stories. right? And that sat with me. And then I was out on country at another time and a special old elder named Paul Callaghan, um, he said to me, and those two those two beautiful, beautiful men have been significant in my journey and actually got a, an amazing book for people listening, an amazing book called The Dreaming Path, right, best-selling book. Um, Uncle Paul Callaghan said to me, he goes, everything, and we're out on country doing some fairly significant time of practice. He said, everything that you learn out here the more you implement that into your life, the more your mental health problems will disappear. And the two messages were exactly the same, but just delivered differently. But the two messages were bang on. Because I realized that every time I was deep within cultural practice, deep within our, the, the the First Nation community, I felt strong, I felt loved, I felt valued, I felt who I was as an Aboriginal man, that everything that I'd missed, Growing up because I wasn't allowed to do it as such, because a lot of us didn't know it. It was like I grew up in a world where I was too white to be black and too black to be white. I sort of didn't fit in either world because I didn't particularly know the old cultural practices that we'd been doing for thousands and thousands of years. So when I started to relearn them, post post NRL career, post footy career, post-boxing, all all of those things, when I started to learn about that, I felt strong in who I was. I felt I felt a really spiritually strong, proud, and tall man. And the more I implemented that, the more the mental health problems disappeared. So then I started to go down the track with a beautiful old lady called, um, and she might get up me for saying old, but um, Annie Judy Atkinson, beautiful, beautiful um, woman in 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 the world of in the world of trauma. Um, academically you know trained and and you know a phd and professor and and all the all the all the um all the labels um she said joe you know all this stuff but i think you should go and learn about it so you can understand it a little bit as well so then i went i went to uni and started to learn about it and then the pandemic right spinning around and in about in a really quick way the pandemic saw us all locked inside right so I just did as much self-learning as I possibly could and started to read and 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 look at different documentaries and and go through all this this process of learning. And the more you learn, the more you understand that the more you learn, the more you understand you don't know. And you go down the rabbit hole and you go, holy smokes, like all of this stuff makes sense. You know people think that trauma is the big capital t's of the you know the horrific things that happen in our lives but without understanding and knowing that it's the tiny little nuances that we go through in the early early years of our lives that shape us and mechanically build us structurally and chemically for our entire lives
1: mate that's that's such an interesting story and like what you're saying there when you say it like that it makes so much sense right that like if somebody has struggles with their mental health but they don't know who they are or they're you know they're struggling at that kind of spiritual level that it's going to it, it, it almost doesn't matter what they're doing at like a practical mental health level if that spiritual level isn't right
0: it also doesn't matter like i like what spirituality you have like look at all the people who are deeply spiritual around the world i don't know if it's it's what they look like from the outside but they sort of got it together, you know. <laughs> you know, like like um, I I'm a massive, as I said, a massive learner, and and I'll document. And you might be able to put in your show notes as well. Um, a couple of different books throughout this. Obviously, there was the one, the Dreaming Path, um, which was Paul Gordon and Paul uh, Paul Calligan and Paul Gordon. Um and two two other wonderful books that I read during during the pandemic was a, was a book called Lost Connections by johan Hari.
1: Oh man i love I, I've read that book like three times. I'm obsessed with it.
0: but it's brilliant right and, and and what I got out of that so I always look at everything through an Aboriginal lens. Right. So what I got out of that is that the reason we are so sick is because we're so disconnected. If human beings came from a collective of connected people for thousands and thousands of years, right now, as you and I speak, we are the most disconnected we've ever been in the history of humankind. That's why we're so sick. We're yearning for each other. And then you look at it from, a, from an Aboriginal perspective or a First Nation perspective. You look at it around our family systems, for thousands and thousands of years how we lived and interacted with each other we were in small groups of people we never had singular parents right so right now we've got one one mum one dad if we're lucky for a lot of families there's not you know huge amounts of numbers is not we're not as fortunate to have that right but we had multiple mums, multiple dads that saw every kid looked after which helped kids to build, Strong and secure attachments, which again, the early years—what well, they say, the first thousand days of our lives, right—and then even more, more broadly, the first two thousand days, chemically and structurally, wires us for either survival or love and connection our entire lives. I was having a conversation with somebody, um, somebody yesterday, and it was t- it was around jealousy. You know, you get so many people that are jealous and, and, and commu- in 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 relationships. Maybe jealousy isn't because your partner is looking at someone else, or your partner is getting attention of someone else. Maybe maybe jealousy is a trigger for abandonment, where you didn't feel loved and connected in those first thousand days. So it's actually not the The situation that's happening right in front of us the situation that's happening right in front of us is a trigger that happened 30 years ago
1: what's crazy about when you explain stuff like that is that it makes sense right you know and then you're like oh yeah that makes sense (laughs)
0: so much so so i just go so i just go like i moved away from the mental health field and I, you know, I love and respect all the people that are doing that amazing work, but I moved away from the mental health field as such is because everything that we experience is symptomatic of trauma. And we're just band-aiding with different things that, you know, and, and I won't ever say that med- medication is no good, but I'll say that, 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 that there are studies that show that Exercise is as effective. Love and connection is as effective. Building secure attachments as babies, as effective. You know, of just looking for a quick fix of taking a pill every day. And I and I say that from experience of being medicated, over-medicated, under-medicated for years and years and years. You know, so I, I, I'm also not lagging on those people that are in those fields. I'm saying I just invite people to start to do a little bit more learning about what it is that's, that we're actually going through and where it's actually coming from. That I guess the, the tagline or the slogan of my organisation, The Enemy Within, is don't look at what, look at why. Don't look at what's going on in your life, look at why it's going on. Everything, everything that we go through, every thought, every response, why we're triggered, why we get upset with someone, why when somebody says something, it actually upsets us or annoys us. All of that was wired in the first three years of our life.
1: Man, I'm thinking about um, lost connections. And one of the connections that he says is lost in the book is a connection to like meaningful work. And that a lot of us are doing stuff that we don't really care about. We just kind of put in the hours, nine to five or whatever it is. And we get a salary and we go home and that's it. And then we try and like find meaning outside of that or find their joy outside of that. It seems to me and tell me if you're wrong, but it seems to me that you've now found connection with your work as well. Just even listening to how passionate about it you are. Is that, is that true? I'm going to go somewhere else here because I'm
0: like little things always, always, um, you know, help me to help me to understand, uh, different things and, and speaking, listening and learning, um, listening and learning more so from, from a guy called um, Dr. Gabor Mate when he talks a lot about this. He talks a lot about how um, he, was a, he found himself to be a workaholic, right? And there's so many of us to do that. And the reason why he was a workaholic as a doctor, as a medical doctor, is because somebody needed him as a doctor. You know, paraphrasing, but somebody needed him as a doctor where he felt... Not speaking his story, but when, but he felt his whole life that he wasn't needed or wasn't loved and wasn't wanted. So, some, so many of us find purpose in what we do because it fills a void of what we're missing. I can see your head doing absolute backflips, right? But so many of us find purpose and passion in what we do because it's filling a void of what we are missing, right? Don't look at what, look at why, okay? So, yeah, I have purpose. Yeah, you know, I, I made a promise to myself in 2012 when I got really unwell and ended up in hospital and, and, and you know, all sorts of, sort of different challenges with suicide and, and things like that. Um, I made a promise to myself that every day I open my eyes I'm going to make a positive impact on someone else's life. Because I realized that the more people I help, the more it helps me. And I also lost myself in a couple of years there because I was constantly on the go, going, 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 going. And then I'm thinking, sitting back, going, hang on a minute, Joe. Everything Gabor is talking about here is actually what you're doing. You're filling your days with constant work to the point where you're actually. Away from your own home, and away from your own family and kids, even more. So then you look at the triple eff- the 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 the, the flow on effect of me being away from the home is doing to the little people in my life as well.
1: It's look, it, it's making me think about things in a different way, which is good. Because if I'm understanding what you're saying correctly, and you can kind of correct me if I'm on the wrong path here, is that you know. It's great to find meaning in your work to do something that you find purposeful, but if you're doing it just to try and fill a void in yourself, you know, that can lead to kind of bad consequences as well. And I think that could be for anything, right? If you're not kind of satisfied in who you are as a person with nothing else, um, then you're always going to be chasing something, right? And that could be in work or it could be
0: what it's about. That's what I do. I essentially go around and help people to understand why they are the way they are, but just by planting seeds and inviting people to start to think about things a little bit differently, but also get inquisitive
1: and start to learn about why we are the way that we are. 100%. 100%. So this is a tough question, but I think you're a guy who might have thought about this before. In terms of like getting rid of those voids, so getting to a place where we feel like we're comfortable with who we are. We're happy with who we are so that we're not doing things to fill voids. We're doing things because that's what we want to do. And we find them meaningful and purposeful, but not chasing around, not trying to just fill a hole that we have in ourselves. How does somebody get to that place? Relationships, man.
0: Mm. Look at relationships. Like we're always dissociating from our true self to try and fill a void. For me, the steps in, the practical steps in doing it is I got sober (laughs) and, you know, I've been sober nearly 18 years now and, and, and what that does, I realized that I was running away from a hell of a lot in my head for so many years with different things, with different relationships, all of that. We actually, you know, you look at the, the center of it, I'm dissociating from all of it. Right, so the first thing we we got to learn to do and, and understand is be be aware of it, and it's hard to be aware of it when you when you're around, you know, a thousand other people a week, and and you're out on the drink of a weekend, and you're doing your best with 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 whatever that brings. You know, the, the pandemic was a great invitation for people, right, and and and. Don't, don't start, you know, when you're listening to this, don't start cursing me because I know that the, the pandemic was challenging for a hell of a lot of people, but the pandemic for me was the most important thing mentally, emotionally, and spiritually that I ever experienced because it taught me some of my biggest lessons because we weren't allowed to go anywhere, right? We're all, we're all locked in our own homes. And being locked in your own home forced you to sit with the one person who we should know the most, but we actually don't know the most right? So the reason I believe so many people were challenged during the the pandemic, mentally and emotionally and during the lockdowns, was because they actually started to listen to what was going on inside their head and they didn't like it. And what was going on inside our head hadn't been heard for so many years because of all the chaos that we go through and the way that we live. And how busy we are, which is just running away from everything that's happening inside our head. So when we're forced to stay inside our houses, I'd like to see not just, you know, like like I I understand that the challenges around mental health were huge, but I'd also I'd also like to question what were the what were the challenges of rates of relationship breakdowns. Because there's a hell of a lot of people and people that I spoke to that realized that they hadn't spent time with their partner the way that they did during the three years of the pandemic in the past two decades and they went holy shit i don't i don't particularly like this person this person isn't the person that i married or maybe it is and i was just running away from something else myself you know so so we're always trying to fill voids and the and and when we when we start to understand who and why we are those voids jump out at you and, and, and it's, it's, it's not so much of getting rid of them because I'm someone who I'd like to probably um, express who's emotionally intelligent with understanding who I am and understanding my triggers and things like that it doesn't mean that I'm that I'm complete grip of them. I understand I, knowing and understanding what they are doesn't mean that they're they're gone right so i've been experiencing some stuff in the last couple of days that has really deeply emotionally challenged me hugely right but i also know that it's not about making it go away it's about finding growth within that right so it, it it's not going to go away because it's deeply hardwired into my nervous system it's about understanding it sitting with it and then and and starting to accept what it is and also what a lot of people of us what a lot of us don't know start to nurture that little person that lives inside our head because
1: that little person is just
0: a little version of us
1: that's super powerful and through like through my own story and my own journey I've kind of had a version of like discovering that little person of myself And there's something about it that's just so powerful. And it creates, I think for me, um, it creates a lot more empathy for yourself. You're able to be a lot more kinder to yourself when you think of yourself as, you know, the little boy who was seven or eight. And, you know, one tangible example, which came up for me, and I found this kind of through going through therapy was that some of the behaviors I was doing now was because I was bullied as a little kid. And there was part of me still in me that thought I could get bullied. Right. And I had this conversation with my therapist and we kind of figured this out. And she goes, you, you, you know, you can't get bullied anymore. Like you're, you're big enough. You're bad enough. You're an adult. You've got means. It's like, you don't have. And of course, like, you know, there are some situations at work that people can get bullied. I'm not saying that can't happen, but she was like, you're not going to get bullied. Like you were when you were aged eight and put in a bin by a guy who was twice the size of you. And I was like. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> but there was just something about that realization that makes you go, Wow, a lot of the stuff I was doing now was because I was trying to protect that little boy who thought he could still get bullied, but he can't anymore. And that shows up in so many ways.
0: Ooh, here we go again. Right. The the day that, that my that my father found out about about my about my um uh my my suicide attempt um in in 2012 he, he he drove over to me in Dubbo and he sat with me and we sat on the front step for hours and just talking about different things and you know there were tears and and laughter and 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 you know some really deep emotional stuff which is, which is you know like probably which, which was beautiful, but he said to me that something, something that stuck with me, which then something has come back up for me later in, in my life, is that he said, I want to talk to you about the little boy that lives inside you. And I was like, yeah. And he said, well, there's a little boy that lives inside you and that lives inside all of us. And if you're walking down a dark hallway and that little boy's scared, and there's a door at the end of it. And he wants to go through the door, but he doesn't know how to. He doesn't know, he doesn't know why he's scared, but he just knows that it's dark and there's something on the other side that could be terrifying. What are you going to do? And I thought as an adult, and I had to show vibrato in front of my dad, I said, I've got to kick the door down and show him that there's nothing there. And he said, no, no, no. He said, what you need to do is hold on to that little boy by the hand and nurture him and let him know that everything's Okay and that you'll be able to get through it together. One of the most powerful conversations I've ever had in my entire life. My dad actually didn't know what he was talking about. He did. My dad's the most the, the most challenged. Uh, my dad is the smartest person I've ever met in my life, right? Um, didn't go a day past year out at school, right? Um, but my dad didn't understand the conversation of trauma that I'd be on a decade later talks all about he's talking all about healing the inner child right and we know when we know about the inner child that's just the little person that that lives inside us which is exactly what my dad said but he's subconsciously that little person that we grew up with that felt alone that was crying themselves to sleep at night and at the top of their lungs were screaming out but just didn't have the vocabulary to say, hey, listen, I'm hungry here. Hey, listen, you know what? I've got a pain in my belly. Hey, listen, I'm cold but we think the kids are just screaming but they just don't have the vocab to tell us what's up, right? So the challenges with all of that is that that little person who then tried themselves to sleep night after night after night because we went through a generation of of saying don't pick up kids we're going to spoil them was actually planting the seeds for a stack load of abandonment challenges later in life right so when i talk about the that little person that little person that that jumps up in you that jumps up in me that that screams out to us when we're insecure and lonely and triggered by different things. Back to what my dad said. And this very stuff that I've been going through this week, I just had to sit with that little person and say, it's gonna be all right, mate. It's gonna be all right. And we can do this together. And I got your back. Because I'm now physically an adult. It's just, I've got to sit and nurture that little person that screaming out for love and connection because so that's where it all comes from love and connection
1: it's crazy it's so crazy i mean considering how important those early years are right in terms of how they shape us as as adults like what can we do to help like the next generation because I, I just think about you know little kids who are growing up today and i'm just like i really hope that whatever they're going through their childhood that you know they're not experiencing you know the level of trauma that's going to cause issues for them in the future like what can we what can we do for the and you're doing a lot personally right through the stuff that like literally your work is focused a lot on this but you know for somebody who doesn't necessarily do that day in day out like what can people do
0: what did what was i talking about 20 minutes ago like 20 minutes ago i was talking exactly about that about how everything's just structured and wide within us in the early years of our lives and all of our insecurities now as adults, all of the challenges that we go through now as adults aren't actually what's going on right in front of us. So when our, when our boss is actually bullying us at work, the reason it hurts so much or the reason we, the reason we don't have the words, the reason we don't have the words to be able to, to feel like we can express our true needs in those moments is because of how we were silenced when we were bullied or the different experiences that we went through younger. It's so multi-layered with what we do and how we do it. Like it's the challenges with our young people now, the the the, the babies in our lives, the, the young people who don't have the vocab to articulate how they feel and, and we feel that they're just... Acting up because they're little brats and spoiled little kids, like they're actually kids are just actually trying to express their needs, like their needs, their basic their basic human needs, right? So we believe that we think that, or it's a, or it's a, or it's a, um, it's an interpretation of some people that 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 the human needs that we express are based on how much love we give. As opposed to the actual needs so it's it's not based on it's not a representative of of how much we are loved but it's the basic human needs that we have right so I was asked many years ago Joe if you had an endless bucket of money to to curb the suicide and mental health rates what would you do? Endless bucket of money, right? And I said I would fund mums and dads to stay at home with their kids because we are crema- we are creating an ongoing an ongoing traumatic cycle with the way that we parent our kids. That's a real that's a really 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 confronting thing for people to hear, right? Everything that we do. The reason we are triggered in the home and we scream at our kids to to clean up their room and to pick up their mess and everything that we are doing and we are walking around on eggshells as adults is throwing the eggshells down in front of those kids for them to pick up and walk with their entire life as well. So everything that we see, say and do with our young people needs to come from a place of understanding and nurture rather than silencing it comes to the stigma of mental health as well right is that we go oh there's this big bad stigma of mental health out there that you know forces people to not speak and silences people but again a confronting thing to hear and to know is that always we're trying to tell our kids we're we're not modeling to kids, to babies how to self soothe. We're not modeling to kids how to soothe their emotions when they're, you know, through rocking them to sleep and things like that, right? What we do is just shut the door and 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 you know, let them cry themselves to sleep. And that's not modeling modelling regulation. That's forcing babies to build coping strategies in times of trauma and hurt, right? So then what happens is they get to their age two and three and we tell them to be quiet, go to your room, you're not listening, we silence them there and then they come, become five, six and seven and we're constantly, when they're trying to express the way that they feel or the language of what they're trying to say, we're constantly silencing them with what they what they're going through and then they get to 12 and 13 and we 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 we're, we're we're silencing them with 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 the experiences that they're having again and we are constantly telling our kids to to quiet it down and be quiet and and don't say stop sucking, you know, pull pull your socks up, get on with it, right? We're silencing emotions there. And then 13 14 15 comes along And all of the years prior, we've silenced their emotions and not validated how they feel. So then at 14 and 15 and 16, what do you reckon they're going to do to escape the emotions that they're going through? Get absolutely obliterated every single weekend with underage drinking, experimenting in drugs, Getting into relationships that they couldn't get, uh, shouldn't be getting into because they didn't feel loved, and the first bit of attention that they, they that they feel, it feels like this warm blanket that wraps them up, right? And you can see the ongoing cycle that it's creating. And then we get dads where their little boys crying to them, and instead of saying "Come here to me, mate. Come here. Give, give me a hug," and don't say "Be quiet," we say. Tell me what's up. Tell me why you're upset. And then we can we can we can try and sort it out together. I can see that you're upset. I can see that you're hurting, mate. Let's have a conversation about how we make things better for you, right? And how different it would be instead of silencing it and silencing it and silencing it, then all of a sudden we're building attachment with our young people for them to have the confidence to be able to speak about the things that are challenging them emotionally when they're 13, 14, 15, 16 year old and they're not having to chase, chase emotions at the end of a bottle. They can sit and feel comfortable with this to be able to have those conversations. you know, So it all starts in the early years. It all starts in the early years and every single challenging behaviour that we see with young people, and I believe it's only going to get worse. I work in some of the toughest schools all around the country and the behaviours broadly are escalating and I believe it's only going to get worse because of the way that we are raising our
1: kids. I can imagine you going into these schools with your background as a professional, you know rugby league player and as a, as a professional boxer. And I think rightly or wrongly, when you hear kind of words like this coming from somebody who's a, I would say quote unquote, a hard man, right? It's something more powerful about it. (laughs)
0: I'm not that. I'm not that. That's why, that's why I didn't play as I should have played more bloody footy games than I did. And, and, and should have won more fights than I did. That's why I'm, I'm I'm definitely not that.
1: (laughs) I think anybody anybody who steps onto a rugby league pitch or steps into a ring is, uh, is, is definitely uh, tougher than me anyway, I'll tell you that much. But, uh, when you were, when you were back in, in those years, like did you ever think you'd be doing what you do now?
0: No, no, no way. Absolutely no way. But like they say that we're too, the, the two most important days of your life. you know this is a nugget. write this one down. The two most important days of your life the day you're born. And then the day you find out why you're born, right? I had to get to the absolute depths of darkness on my knees asking, begging for help to whoever it was out there, whatever belief system you have, begging and asking for help for me to find out Why I'm here. You know, it took me, as I said, the absolute depths of darkness where I shouldn't be sitting here talking to you today for me to find out my purpose, which is why I'm here. And that come on the back of that promise I made to myself. Every day I wake up, I'm going to make a positive impact on someone's life, but I can't make a positive impact on someone's life by just talking about me all the time. I might inspire some people, but I actually got to learn about it. And I'm someone who's a I'm an avid learner. I'm an avid questioner. I always question things. I always question things. Why? Why does that happen? Why why are they like that? You know, and and but then, you know, the flip side of that, I go into I go into different schools and workplaces and and they're expecting this footy playing boxer to walk through the door. And then I hit them with some of these things. And then I actually get challenged as well by going, "You haven't got you haven't got the the qualifications to talk about this stuff. You're just a sportsman. You know, like yeah, I, I always say now I, I laugh about it, and I like yeah, I was in the you know I was in the NRL system for a number of years, and then I was a professional boxer, but I played sport to pay the bills. You know, like what I'm doing now is." Is the reason I'm here. What I'm doing now is the purpose of who and why I am for the rest of my life, hopefully. And that's changing as well, you know. Like I didn't ever think that, you know. We 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 talk so much about it and about about the goals and dreams that we have in life, but 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 the path is set for us. I believe the path is set for us. You know, I was my path was up and down with rugby league, and then I was a. I thought I was going to be. I rugby league player all my life and get into the media and all that sort of stuff like every kid wants to do. And but then it moved to boxing and then I thought I was gonna be the world's best boxer and travel the world and have all this money because I'm a boxer and 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 you know, walk around with you know the, the, the lifestyles that, that these rich and successful boxers have. But then I got taken off that path as well. And then I got pushed down into a gutter that made me crawl out. And, and, and crawling out taught me, and I say that with respect as well, crawling out taught me the most valuable lessons about myself that I've ever had, right? And that took me down a path of learning, understanding, and also understanding that all of those things are just labels. What you do with yourself and how you do it is entirely on you. And I had to go through those things to be who I am now.
1: Look, I I know we need to finish up. um, So I've just got one more question for you, if that's all right. Um, It can be a quick one. But you talk about, you know, these kind of two important days of your life, the day you're born, and the day you figure out, like, why you're here. You say that you had to get into, you know, really dark place. Like, you had to be down in the gutter to figure out that second point, right? But if somebody is listening to this and they're like, I don't think I've had that second day yet. I don't know why I'm here. I'm not sure what I'm supposed to be doing, my purpose, whatever else. Is there anything that you could say to them that might help them or might help them on a path to get to that second day? Because I would hope, you know, I know some people's journeys that they're going to have to be down the gutter, but hopefully not everybody has to get there before they realize.
0: I don't want people to get there. (laughs) We don't, we don't want people to go through that or experience that, but we also like, I, I just, I, I tell people to chase their passion. My passion ever since I can remember has always been about helping people. Right. And it was all about, for as long as I can remember, I was always giving things away, letting people play with the toys that I had, you know, things like that. So I was always helping other people in different ways. Um, I certainly don't want people to get through, go through the depths of darkness, to get to a place of meaning. But I, I just say, be patient. Be patient. You know, there's young people that want dreams and goals, and they go, "I want everything within my two hands to be this, and I want to be a rugby league player. I want to be an AFL player. I want to be, I want to be a doctor." and Like, it's like I say, our ancestors, the old people, I say, they're just sitting up there with it, you know, with it as the puppeteers, and they're just going, you know, you think you're going to be this? I'm just going to take you off this path, you know, and it's going to cause some heartache and it's going to cause some hurt. But we just need to be patient. And then, like, in 20 years, we'll look back and go, it all makes sense now. It all makes sense, you know? So, the advice I can give to people is just be passionate. Just be passionate, but also be patient, right? Chase what you're passionate about, right? I've always, I've always wanted to help people, always wanted to be, I've always wanted people to be the best versions of themselves. I didn't have that articulation as a 10 year old, but I always wanted to make people feel better and be better. So now the work that I do. You know, and I'm I'm just about to launch into into a new space that's really, really which has challenged me the last two or three years. Um with what we're building. Um, you know, been on this journey for about four years now, but 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 it's challenged me because it's 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 made me go into places that I haven't been intellectually, because it's a completely different I'm someone who just flies by the seat of my pants. Make it up later, right? But I now understand that with business, you have to do things structurally, right? Or you're just gonna... And and it it was important. My chairman actually said to me, he said, Joe, I want this. You mightn't be able to see it. He said, but I want this to be something that is still going long after you're gone. And we can't do that if we fly by the seat of your pants and just make it up later, there's a difference between something that's going to be here for decades and something that's going to be here for 18 months, right? So we've got to do it right. Be passionate. Be passionate, and you know, don't don't fall into society's labels. If you want to do things, go out and do them. Test yourselves. Go out and do them, and be the be, be the best that you can with what
1: you do mate i absolutely love that i love it um i can definitely say now this was a pleasure i don't know if it was for you you don't have to answer the question if you don't want but uh listen mate thank you so much i really enjoyed listening to your story i learned heaps and i'm gonna have to go away and have a bit of a think now over the weekend i reckon
0: and talk about my story (laughs) no like it's like it's uh we get taken where we, the, the direction of where we're supposed to be taken, you know, like it's, I'm someone who listens to that, to that. I get guided by spirit. And you know, when people want to say that's a little bit fluffy, but um, when you're coming up to a road and it's a T intersection and there's only left and there's only right, what plants that thought in your head to go left or right. I believe it's something greater than us. I believe it's something more powerful than us as human beings. And what's guiding us is something and someone who knows the path already. So our job is to hand it over and just start to talk to those people, whoever it might be, your higher power, start to talk to that people, that, that, that whatever it is, talk to those things about guidance. You know, and some people call it prayer. You know, some people call it reflection. You know, talk to those people, ask for guidance. And the minute we start to ask for guidance and let go of trying to control everything, things will start to take shape for us.
1: This podcast is called The Two Roads Podcast. Is that
0: right? Wow.
1: I didn't even know that. <laughs> you teed me up perfectly. So, uh, yeah, I think that's that's a great spot for us to finish up, mate. So, thank you so much. I really enjoyed this one.
0: Thanks, brother. Stay in touch. If there's anything I can ever do, if there's any chats that we can ever have moving forward, man, get out. How did we, how did we get in contact? Did you reach out to me? I
1: uh, got you on LinkedIn. I found you on LinkedIn. Yeah. There you go. Thanks a million. Have a great day.
0: Thanks, buddy. You take it easy.
1: I hope you enjoyed the conversation that I just had with Joe Williams. I really loved chatting to him. Um, I loved hearing his stories, the journey that he's been on, what he's working on, how he finds meaning and purpose in it, and some of the advice that he had as well for people you may not yet have found that second day in their lives when they figure out, you know, why they're here and, and what they are what they want to do from a meaning and purpose perspective. And I particularly liked his advice that he gave people in terms of what they can do if they fe- felt like, you know, they haven't reached that day, that day where they know what it is that they want to do with their career and with their lives. And it was around following your passion, which I know is said a lot and it can be, it seems oversimplified but i do think it's a good point he talked about when he thought back to himself as a kid or the things that he really loved doing it was all about giving to others and helping others right and that could manifest itself in tons of different careers but he knew that that was something that he was passionate about and he followed that path and he found out where it led him but i think the second point which is so important is around patience because It can be very easy to be impatient to want to figure it all out now i'm definitely that way i don't want to wait why would i want to wait to figure out what it is that i want to do i want to figure that out now but the reality is that that probably isn't going to happen it's not the kind of thing that you can force into existence and i think it's just important to give ourselves a break as well if we're in a job that we don't love and we're trying to get into something that we do really like We can put a lot of pressure on ourselves to get there and to get there quick, but let's give ourselves a break. Let's have a bit of patience. It takes time. When we look back in 10, 20, 30 years time, we're not going to think about the three months, the six months, the 12 months that it took us to find what it is that we wanted to do. Right. And it'll change. We might find something that we want to do today and we might do it for five years, 10 years, and it might be great. And then we might find something new entirely. And that's okay too. I thought this was a really good conversation. I'm interested to hear what you thought about it. So let me know. Hit me up on socials on LinkedIn. Just get my personal account, uh, Steve Duke. And then on Instagram, it's at two roads pod. I'd love to hear what you thought of the episode and if you found it useful. Um, if you enjoyed this and you want to go back and listen to some other episodes, if you haven't listened to them all before, episode three with Ogie Hollywood was really one of my favorite conversations that I've had so far. Ogie's an awesome Awesome dude, he's had a really interesting journey himself, both from kind of his early childhood and and where he grew up and how he grew up, through to getting a job at Google, working at Google for many years and being very successful, and then leaving that all to go to Bali, start an agency, and now work as a real estate developer. So he's had, he's still a young guy, but he's had a very very fascinating and interesting life. So if you're looking for another episode to listen to and you haven't listened to that one, I would go back give it a listen other than that i will see you next week for episode 18 of the two roads podcast